Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to our fourth episode of Court Visions. Johnny right here. I'm here with Ryan. What's up, everyone? So it has been a long time since we have covered power rankings. Since the last time we went over the top teams, other teams have definitely come to power. Other teams have definitely started underperforming after good starts to the season. The landscape of the league has changed with some trades. What do you think about that, Ryan? Some trades have gone down. Most notably, Jimmy Butler has been traded from the Timberwolves to the Sixers, yep. as our last episode touched on, yeah. obviously. So it's going to be interesting to see how Jimmy, now in the East, affects the dynamic of these playoff teams and how it affects our power rankings here today. All right, so we're going to do this a little bit differently than last time. We gave you our top five teams. We want to go a little more in-depth into some of the sleeper teams, some of the teams that have been overachieving but are not quite top five teams. We want to give them the recognition and basically because they've been playing good basketball. So we will start with our one through five picks. Ryan, you want to tell us who you got at the top of our power rankings? You're going to hear some familiar names when I give you my top five, but yep. rightfully so because these teams have been performing. So I'm just going to get into it. At one, I had the Toronto Raptors. Okay. At two, I had the Milwaukee Bucks. At three, I have the Golden State Warriors. At four, the Portland Trailblazers. And at five, the 76ers. All right. So I got the Toronto Raptors at my number one spot as well. Okay. Two, I went in a little bit of a different direction. I put the Portland Trailblazers at number two, followed by the Golden State Warriors at number three, put the Bucks at number four, and number five, I went with Oklahoma City. That's a surprise. Okay. So we got four of the five teams the same then. Yeah. With exception to Oklahoma and Philly. And different spots with the Trailblazers and the Bucks. Yeah. So please make your case to me because I'm really curious as to why you have Milwaukee as the number two. So I'll just touch on the Raptors real quickly. We both have them at first, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to dwell on that too much. Yeah. Obviously, they've been playing well with Kawhi and without, without Kawhi, Kawhi. They've been getting wins. Mm-hmm. Bench players have been stepping up. We've seen Pascal Siakam fill in Kawhi's role yeah, pretty Lowry, well in the Lowry's games. Lowry's leading the league in assists as well. Lowry is balling out this year. Yeah. That's to say that's to say. Yeah, least. so Toronto, they're winning. Yeah. We Toronto's know what's up winning. with them. 12-2, and two, top of the East. I mentioned in the first power rankings, you're going to hear Toronto for a while. They're here. Yep. Let's move on. All right. So, so Milwaukee Milwaukee. Now. I have Milwaukee at two ahead of the Golden State Warriors for the simple fact that they beat them and they beat them pretty handily yeah. in a game about a week ago, I think. Yep. Granted, that was a really good game for some role players who do not consistently step up mm-hmm. by the names of Eric Bledsoe. And Malcolm Brogdon has had an off year compared to what he showed us in his rookie of the year campaign. Yeah. But they did beat the defending champs in by twenty in in Oracle by 20 and at least 20 points i believe that's my reasoning that's why i got him in there so you give them the number two because they beat the warriors in oracle essentially that's my reasoning for having them ahead of the warriors and i keep i'm keeping them in the top five for the simple fact that they've been balling well a 10 and 3 record is definitely not bad let me throw you another team with the 10 and 3 record Let's hear it. That would be the Portland Trailblazers. Now, Damian Lillard might not play tonight against the Lakers. We'll see if they can pull out the win. I honestly that don't. That hurts their chances. I, I don't, don't think they're going to be able to because the way he's been playing, he's been the clear leader, star of this team, score. CJ McCollum has honestly picked it up a lot, and that's the support that Lillard needs. The role players are fulfilling their roles. El Farouk Aminu, Mo Harkless, they're defending the perimeter. In a couple of years, Zach Collins is going to be nice. Agreed. He's showing out now slightly on the defensive end. He can play a role. But once he puts on a little more weight and maybe finds a little, some more offensive moves, that kid's going to be nice. Yeah. And Nurkic has been putting up double-doubles, close to double-doubles. He's been... 
He's been decent at the center. They can't complain. Ever since he lost weight, I think it was two off seasons ago now, Nurkic has just been a different beast. He's able to stay on the floor longer, and you're seeing him pretty much just able to use his agility to get around these opposing centers and just get to the hoop with ease. Yep. And so Portland has definitely shown the cohesiveness that they need, especially in a stacked Western Conference. They're sitting at number two with the 10-3 and record, which is... Really good. They're one game behind the Warriors, but they're tied in the loss column. The reason I have them at number two, though, is because they're 4-0 and in the last four games. And they've not just beaten mediocre teams. They beat the Timberwolves when they still had Jimmy. Then they actually beat the Milwaukee Bucks in a really good game. And given the fact that the Trailblazers are in the Western Conference, I would just give them the benefit of the doubt. Because they beat Milwaukee, because they have the same record, they definitely have to be playing a little bit of a higher level of basketball. And because it's the power rankings, that's why I got to put them on there. They beat the Clippers and the Celtics, who are both two good teams, one being a good team. The other is supposed to be a good team. But nonetheless, Portland's pulling out these wins. Damian Lillard's getting it done. I have them at number two, even over the Warriors, just because of how much they've been winning. They have been winning. I'll give them that. And yes, it is true that they beat the Milwaukee Bucks. So you're essentially using my own argument against me. (laughs) However, something the Portland Trailblazers do not have is a player by the name of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Sorry if I butchered that last name. I tried as hard as I could. But that's essentially my reasoning is that man, the Greek freak, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Malcolm Brogdon. Albeit, I did mention those guys were inconsistent, and they are. However, I think we're seeing them step up. I just believe the Bucks under their new coach, Mike Budenholzer, they're coming into their own now. I think so they're, they're a force a to reckon team. with. Yeah, they're just a different team than the Trailblazers. Uh, uh, the Trailblazers have brought back a majority of their same guys, same coaching. And I'm afraid when it comes to the playoffs, we're going to see the same old just in and out in one or two rounds maybe. So you're saying Milwaukee has the better personnel to be competing at a higher level essentially. essentially they have the better players. Essentially. In the East, they're... They're set up for success, I think, better than the Trailblazers are in the Western, in the loaded Western Conference. Exactly. And the fact that Portland is 10 and 3. I'll give them that. Should be saying something. Hey, I had them in my top five too. I I gave them credit. And the point that you made about it's the same squad running it again. I think that goes to show that they're tested. At least they've been there and seen what it's like. That's why the season they're already at a point where the season isn't meaning much to them. They're expecting they're to just make trying the to make it to the playoffs because they've gone to the playoffs every year for the past four or five years and they get there and they lose. That's the step that they're focusing on. I believe that they're kind of over the regular season. You know what I mean? They're one of those teams. They're looking on how they can make that next step. The season not important to them. That's not good. that important to them. That's good, and, but to a certain extent. But, at what point does that hurt you during the regular season? Just I'm, taking games off, maybe. Mentally, that's what I'm saying. But I'm, they're not take. They're not going to stop playing because they don't care and they're prepping for the playoffs. You're right. At this point, I think shown. they're just. They've just done the season, and it's the same unit, same thing, same coach, same system, same plays. When it comes down to it, they're one of the best teams in the league in terms of executing a game plan because they also have Terry Stotts, who's a really good coach. So Portland has the system in line, and right now their players are just in line, and that's why it's working for them. And like you said, the Bucks are a force to be reckoned with. I do agree with you, and I think at the end of the season, the Bucks will probably be the better team. I don't know if they will be performing better in the season, but yeah, they will be the better team. If they played each other, I would pick the Milwaukee Bucks. But right now, in terms of just grinding out the season, Portland Trailblazers are one of those teams that get it done, and right now they are getting it done 
right, and that's why I give them number two. You mentioned earlier as well that Damian Lillard is a game-time decision for tonight's game against the Lakers. Yeah. It is going to be really interesting to see how his teammates respond to that challenge. I want to see CJ McCollum step up and be the player we know he can be because honestly this season's been somewhat of a disappointment he's had a couple breakout until games. recently yeah he's had a couple breakout games but he hasn't been the same player that we've seen in recent seasons i'll give you this if his teammates can step up today and deliver a win against a pretty hot lakers team then I will agree with you they do deserve to be in there but yeah at the time being i'm sorry i believe milwaukee has the better squad. Well, if Damian Lillard does not play tonight, I do not see them winning. I see McCollum having a good game, but they won't pull it out because the Lakers have LeBron James. And in the end, the Lakers will have the better players tonight. Coming down to it, based on performance, I would just take the Blazers because Milwaukee is in the East. They got the easier games. And I just, you have to respect what the Blazers are doing. They're beating good teams. With, I guess, a subpar lineup, as you're saying. I'm not saying they're subpar. I'm just saying Par. I think the, <laughs> I'm just saying I think the Bucks have better pieces when you compare. I, I, but see, I agree with you. It's just the, the fact of whether they can perform. Do you think Portland's overachieving this season or are they just at Here's the thing about Portland. Every season they start off at the top of the standings. You say, okay, this isn't going to last. And then it lasts. I mean, they were third last season. Granted, yeah. the third through eighth was barely separated by like two games. Th- no, like three or four games. Yeah. But still, they were third place. Exactly. That means something. Exactly. They've shown that they can fight. And right now, I just... So I... No, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, speaking of third place, we both have... Did we both have the Warriors at yes. third? Yes. Yes, and it's interesting because of the things that have been going on with the Warriors that I put Portland ahead of them. It just goes to show that I am basing this solely off of performance. I in no way, shape, or form believe that the Blazers are the second best team in the NBA. I mean, we're basing it off of what's happened recently. Exactly, results. Results, And how they're playing on the court. Exactly. And the Warriors... Have not been playing that good on the court. And that is why they're third, which is pretty funny. They're playing bad basketball and we only dumped them down to number three. Very true. Granted, Stephen Curry has missed a couple games and he's set to mix, to miss about another 10, 10 days, I believe, yeah. before he's going to be Could reevaluated. Be like four more games, yeah. Four more games. The Warriors have shown us time and time again that they can perform when one of their stars is out. They have hit a road bump in what we all expect to be a championship at the end of this season. Yeah. But like you said, we still expect them to be great. And that's pretty much why they're still at the third seed, despite these recent struggles yep. they've had. And Stephen Curry has shown that he's crucial to that team just to keep the chemistry, chemistry. going <laughs> with on the court and off the court because the game is not as fluid when he's not there, obviously. They're not, they're not having fun, to it see seems, that. too, when he's not e- playing. Exactly. When Steph isn't playing, the rhythm, the flow, the sauce, it is not there in the Warriors game. It just looks like another Western Conference team that has to battle for their wins. They were barely able to pull away from the Hawks. They lost to the Clippers in a game that everyone's paying attention to because of the Draymond and Kevin Durant beef, which we will get into later. Don't worry. They lost to Milwaukee. They're they're beating the Nets. It just looks like they're beating the bad teams right now just because they have Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson. What made you put them ahead of the Bucks then at third? We both agreed the Bucks were playing good basketball, had a quality squad, and were pulling out some good wins against solid opponents. And the Warriors have been struggling, so why not put the Bucks at third and the Warriors at four? Simply because we know that the Warriors are beaten up right now. I understand so what the they're going through. The I'm only giving them the benefit of the doubt because Steph is injured. That's the first thing. Second of all, like you were saying how the Bucks are just better on paper than the Blazers, I don't think I need to argue that the Warriors are better on paper than Very any true. other team. 
They're in history, warriors. in history, maybe. Yeah, and <laughs> you know what's funny? They're doing bad in our eyes, and they're twelve and three. Any so, team would kill for a record, and like they're that. winning the Western games Conference. into the season. So we can't take too much away from them. Bucks are ten and three. They're tied in losses. That's good for them. They're in the East. Easier games. Worst players. Second place in the East right now. Yeah, second place in the East, but they have the worst players. They did beat the Warriors. I'll give them that. They came to play that game. Bledsoe wanted to be there. Yeah, and it made them lose to the Clippers on the second night of a back-to-back, so it shows how much energy the Bucks actually had to put into that game to pull it out. Even though it was a blowout, it was close, but they pulled it away in the second half. The Bucks are good. I have them at four. Yeah. I'm not going to take away from them. They've been informed. I'd say they've been a surprise. They're not supposed to be this good coming out. You can credit that to Mike Budenholzer. Definitely. In episode one, it talked about how his offensive schemes were just going to be great for Giannis this season. And Middleton as well. We're seeing Middleton have a breakout season. This man is proving that he can be an all-star potentially in the Eastern Conference with how thin they are in stars now, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets voted on to the team. And the way that Giannis plays with his attacking the basket mentality, clearly not a shooter, dismal nope. three-point percentage, dismal free throw percentage. Chris Middleton, in my opinion, is the perfect complement player for him because they're both wing players that play completely different styles. Middleton will draw those defenders out and allow Giannis to just barrel his way to the hoop. It's beautiful to see, honestly. They create space for each other because Middleton can spread the floor. We saw how deep he could shoot last year. We'll never forget that shot against Against the Celtics Celtics. in the playoffs. Yep, I screamed so loud after he hit that. I'm not even a Bucks fan, (laughs) but just as a basketball fan, that was a crazy shot to witness. Exactly. And Brooke Lopez just hit nine threes the other night. So we haven't even talked about Brooke, Brooke Lopez. Lopez. Yeah, the well, because he's been he's streaky, this though. year. That's true, but what he's allowing Giannis to operate in the paint, him and Middleton, like the fact that they brought in, it makes the Lakers. The Lakers just must be like hitting themselves in the head right now. Why they couldn't have kept Brooke Lopez on some sort uh, of? They might not be deal. because Tyson Chandler has come out and very shown true, it. <laughs> very true. Tyson is making them a little happier about that situation. Yeah, very true. But I agree with your point on Brooke Lopez spreading the floor because when I watch the Bucks, I notice Giannis, he takes his man, dribbles in. Even if they cut off his dribble, he can make that little hop step or a little spin into a hop step. And if he's anywhere near the basket because Brooke Lopez isn't there, he's just been dunking it over yeah. his shorter matchups. This man's arms are so long that he just needs, like you said, like a sliver of space. Boom. It's a dunk. And that's easy two points. Exactly. And because of his length and because Lopez is not clogging the paint, Giannis is getting to the basket easier than we have ever seen. It's a common theme among the Bucks big men, though. They have a lot of guys that not necessarily three-point shooters, but they love to operate in the mid-range. We're seeing John Henson have add a mid-range to his game. We're seeing Brooke Lopez, as you mentioned, shoot the three-pointer with some accuracy in his last few games. And Thon Maker as well. He hasn't seen much playing time, but he's also a big man that likes to operate in the mid-range. All of these are things that are going to help Giannis succeed in the long term this season. Yeah, and hopefully one day Thon Maker will become a part of that rotation. He's a project. He's a project piece. Yeah, definitely. I'm talking more about like what we've seen from him. Yeah, yeah, true. So moving on to our fifth spot. We had different teams. I had the Oklahoma City Thunder. Who did you have? And I had the 76ers in there. We called it power rankings. We're talking about powerful teams in these last few weeks. I think the Sixers just made a power play in that trade for Jimmy Butler. And we haven't seen them play yet as a squad. Jimmy Butler's debut just happened actually right now. So we'll see after after we post this pod how Jimmy's doing. But I expect them to be great. We talked about it in the last episode. These are three bad players. You know what I mean? Bad yeah, players. Yeah, bad. 
they're going to be all-stars. They're all going to perform. I expect them to carry the load for this thin squad. They don't have much depth. I think they're going to play well. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt in that we haven't seen them play, but I think they're going to ball out. So you would take Philly over OKC, Lakers, Celtics, Pelicans, Spurs, Nuggets, Rockets, Jazz, Pacers, over all these teams. We've seen the Sixers start the season off somewhat slowly. They're 9-6. and six, That's not bad. But they have been playing good basketball. They just added an all-NBA performer, an all-star. Some might say a fringe MVP candidate in Jimmy Butler. Uh-huh. I wouldn't say so. Some might. Some <laughs> might. Yeah. Not saying I am necessarily either, but some might. I just think he might have, he might be what this team needs to catapult to the next level. Like I said, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. We haven't seen them play yet. I might be eating my words later tonight if this squad just doesn't perform, if they just don't gel. But then again, it is just game one. So that just means I move them out of the power rankings for a little bit, but give it two months, they might be in the top five because they're playing well, but we'll see. I'm so, taking a chance. So you think Jimmy Butler's going to elevate their game that much? Exactly. That's what I'm... I'm taking a chance I'm put, by putting them up there. So Oklahoma City is the team that I have. And I say that because they started off 0-4. And, and their record now is 8-5. and Meaning... They're 8-1 and in the last nine games. Now, granted, they have beaten teams like the Suns, the Hornets, the Wizards, the Cavs, and the Suns again. But they have also taken down the Rockets, who had both Chris Paul and James Harden for that game. They took down the Pelicans, and they took down the Clippers, who I don't think people should be sleeping on anymore. But Oklahoma City, just because... They're on such a roll. Paul George has learned how to carry that team when when Russell Westbrook is out. They're winning games without Westbrook. Yeah, now. they're that's, winning games. That's something finally. that's nice to see. Paul George is stepping up, proving he just signed a big deal. He has to show this team what he can do. Exactly. And last time we talked about Oklahoma City, we were saying how much of a disappointment they were because of how they started off. Zero and four is terrible. But now look at them. They, they've won almost every single game since then except one game. So there's just no way that I could leave them out of a top five for a team that's winning that many games. No matter who they're playing against, you can't blame them for beating the bad teams. A win's a win. Exactly. And yeah. the fact that they're consistently beating these bad teams who they weren't beating in the beginning of the season just goes to show that they just needed to figure it out. It, they they came out cold, needed to get the chemistry together. Their shots are starting to fall now, and Oklahoma City is back on the map in the Western Conference. You'll see. I, I give them their credit. Don't worry. It, they'll come up in a little bit, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But Oklahoma City, as opposed to the Philadelphia 76ers, again, I... Always, always, always give the benefit of the doubt to the Western Conference team just because they're competing against better players on a nightly basis. And if OKC can muster up an 8-5 and five record and Philly's mustering up a 9-6 and six record, now, granted, they haven't had Jimmy yet. Jimmy does add extra strength to their roster. Oklahoma City has two all-stars as well. Russell Westbrook has been unhealthy but if he manages to stay healthy okc looks like they're not going to be messed around with speaking of health just a quick side note so damian lillard is actually expected to play tonight for the trailblazers so that's a big plus for them they're going to have him for tonight's game back to okc though something that does worry me about okc similar to the team that i actually had over them in the lack of shooting lack of depth in general we we have seen them win games without their star Russell Westbrook. They were against easier com- it was against easier competition. They did beat the Suns. But looking at their lineup, these are guys that have not been relied upon to produce in the NBA. And I don't know if we can trust them to produce long term. 
Yeah, I see what you mean. But OKC has the type of defense that can win you games. And they'll also perform in the playoffs because actually I take that back. Paul George will not be performing in the playoffs based on his trend. Playoff P. Yeah, playoff P. Came out with one hot game and then lost the rep after that. But Russell Westbrook has been there. And if the Warriors are weak and Westbrook is hungry enough, you never know what's going to happen. I do like the addition of Schroeder as well. Oh, he's been big time off the bench. He's been carrying it when Russell Westbrook isn't playing. They have a legitimate guard now to play. All due respect to Raymond Felton, it's nice to have a athletic young point guard in Dennis Schroeder that can run your offense. Agreed. Something that I did not consider, they are going to get Andre Roberson back at some point this, this year season, as well. Yeah. So when he's back, their defense knows, will get even that'll, better. Exactly. That'll vault their defense to another level. Maybe they'll make my top five then. Who knows? So I'm making my case for OKC pretty well, would you say? Yeah, it, it looks like <laughs> it. All right, well, that is our top five. We will now move on to six through ten. I will give my six through ten first. So some of you might think this is surprising. I got the Los Angeles Clippers at six. Ooh, even over there. Philadelphia. I thought that was going somewhere else. Nope. For when when it started with L.A. Nope. But I got Philadelphia at the seven, right behind them. Obviously, Jimmy Butler is going to impact that. Lakers at eighth. They've been on a recent roll. Memphis Grizzlies at nine. Very surprising to some people. And Sacramento Kings, I got at number 10. Now those last two, by no means do I think they will be sticking here. But because they're playing well and earning it, I'm going to give them the spotlight while I can. The Kings have nothing to play for in terms of draft picks this season. So I think that's part of the reason we've seen them step up a little. But on to my 6 through 10. OKC at number six. Like I said, you're going to hear soon. Mm -hmm. I had the Los Angeles Lakers at number seven. Houston Rockets at number eight. Mm. Memphis Grizzlies at number nine. And the Los Angeles Clippers at number ten. So OKC, eight and two in their last ten. I told you I was going to give them credit where it was due. I put them in the top six. Nothing more needs to be said on them. As for the Lakers, this is a team that some might say fell below expectations to start it. Some might say we're right in line with expectations. I think they were right in line, and now they're showing us what they can do. They've won six out of their last seven. LeBron James is not performing. Excuse me, they've won five out of their last six. LeBron James is... Somewhat showing, imposing as well. He's putting up the stats. He's putting up stats. It's more the other role players on the Lakers are stepping up. Tyson Chandler is holding down the paint. When JaVale McGee sits, there's no longer just an open freeway for layups in the Los Angeles paint. It's now Tyson Chandler, former defensive player of the year there, to block shots like he just did on Trey Young's game-winning floater attempt the other night. Yeah, Tyson Chandler has definitely improved the Lakers all around defense. Looking at our six through ten, we had four of the five same teams again, same as we did for the top five. Yeah. Looks like I included the Kings. You didn't include the Kings. You had the Houston Rockets. I did. So let's just go over that discrepancy really quickly. Tell me why you had the Rockets. The Rockets started off slow to the season. I will admit it. Chris Paul was suspended two games. That didn't help. Their MVP, James Harden, started off slowly. Low field goal percentage. They lost two great wing defenders in Trevor Ariza and Luke Mbamute. And Harden was out for an injury. This is true. A hamstring tweak. Yet this team has still managed to win five out of the last seven games. And we're slowly starting to see the Houston Rockets of old. The team that... Of old, I mean the last season or two. The team that would run up and down the floor, shoot 43s a game, and actually make a decent percentage of them. Not like that performance we saw in the playoffs where they missed 27 three-pointers. That's besides the point, though. 
like I said, this is a team that's playing better basketball. Five wins out of their last seven. They're showing us what they can do. That's that's my reasoning for having them there. So for the Houston Rockets, I noticed their schedule, and while they are five and two in the last seven games, they managed to only beat the Nets, the Bulls, the Pacers twice, and the Nuggets. Meanwhile, their games against their Western Conference opponents, such as the Spurs and the Thunder, did not end. Very they did well. not go well for them. Seven be- point loss to the Spurs, but they got whooped by the Thunder. Yeah, and because they're currently at twelfth in the West, even though they might have been winning recently, they're not in good as they're not in a good enough form as they should be. I'm and kind even of going off you- like trends. I think they're trending up. That's they that's are my trending up for putting them there. I oh, mean, oh. I put them at tenth, so I think they're trending up. They have an MVP candidate in James Harden. An MVP, not a candidate. Uh-huh. Sorry, James. But <laughs> they, that's what I'm saying. They have the players. I think they are going to perform soon, sooner rather than later. And but how have they that. been performing? Yeah, they've been getting the wins recently, but there have been other teams getting wins. The team I had in was the Sacramento Kings. They're eight and six. They're in the Western Conference playoff picture. They don't have James Harden. That's kind of like essentially my reasoning but for putting exactly, the Bucks ahead of the But that's why it's even more impressive, wouldn't you agree, that they're doing it without any sort of all-star caliber player? Yes, but the Kings have also shown that they're not necessarily a new team when they've faced tougher competition. We just saw them play the Los Angeles Lakers, a team who some people say are maybe like fringe playoff, mid-tier playoff team. They got demolished by them. The Kings it seems like they can't hold their own against tougher competition. Agreed. They haven't been able to hold their own against tougher competition. They have beaten a few good teams, such as the Pelicans. But the Houston Rockets have been losing to bad teams. So I believe that one takes precedence over the other. Because the Houston Rockets are streaky. They're living and dying by the three with a team that can't even shoot the three anymore because of their losses. Sacramento, though, their losses were to Utah, the Pelicans, the Nuggets, the Bucks, the Raptors, the Lakers. And those teams are all very good teams with all-star caliber players on their teams. Playoff teams. And they're still somehow finding a way to compete in these games while beating the bad teams, the subpar teams, a few good teams. Regardless, the Sacramento Kings have been extremely consistent, and I just am impressed by the way that they've been playing, especially in the Western Conference. You have to give their winning record some credit over a Rockets losing record. Good points, but the Sacramento Kings have lost three of their last five games. And I'm just going to throw... I know we don't like going to stats here at Court Visions, but I'm just going to throw some numbers at you. 115, 113, 120, 129, and 122, 132, 149, 131. These are a combination of points scored and points scored against for the Kings. This is not sustainable. This is a team that is giving up upwards of 120 points on a consistent basis to proven to proven squads in the NBA. So how many of those high-scoring games came in losses? I believe it was four of those games that Sacramento lost and gave up that high scoring of a margin. And again, those are against these good playoff teams that they were playing against. So I understand your point that they're giving up a lot of points. But then again, Houston is a team that would also do it, especially with the pace of the NBA and the type of play that Mike Houston is game- showing us that they can hold teams to under 100 points. Most of their one, it looks like three out of those wins that I just mentioned, Houston's five wins of their last seven, have come with holding their opponent under 100 points. So why isn't Houston winning games then? Well, they are. They're, they've won five out of there. That's what I'm saying. They're showing us. But that so have the Kings. Up. The thing is with Houston, 
their offense isn't what it used to be. Meanwhile, the Kings' three-point shooting has been on fire. So while a team might exactly. have They will regress defense, to the mean eventually. Eventually. And Houston will come to regress to the mean. They will both go where it's normal. And I believe they are trending in such directions. Houston with five wins out of their last seven and Sacramento with three losses out of their last five. Like I said, this is like, it's trends. I believe the Rockets are trending up and the Kings are trending down. That's the reasoning. If we went to 11, 12, I probably would have the Kings around there so as if well. If the Kings were trending down, by the way, you just made my point for me because you said the Kings are trending down from what would be their highest point, which is why I am agreeing with you and I have them in my top 10. And you said the Rockets are advancing from their previous regressing form, right? And now because they're going up, they're moving into this category of teams. And I'm not trying to plan for the future. Obviously, Houston's going to be better than Sacramento. But what happens in the next two weeks isn't important to how powerful they are on this very day. And because of the trends that they have been showing, that's why Houston was right outside the top 10 for me. And Sacramento is in my top 10, soon to fall out. Like you said, we're Houston will be the in there. We're using the same reasoning soon. to justify our positioning of the teams. Essentially, we're saying the same thing. Exactly, but, but looking on the I'm results and their at, performance, it's, gla- it's glass half, uh, cup half empty, half full. Essentially, is what we're looking at with these teams. Because you said the Rockets are on the outside looking in. I have them already in. And realistically, looking at a two-week scope of how these teams have been doing, that's a lot of time for them to drop it, pick it up turn it around, all of these things. But the Kings have been somewhat consistent over the last two weeks. While, like you said, the Rockets are showing that upward trend. I'm just going to value the consistency that the Kings have showed to start the season, even though it's going to die down. I'm fairly certain it's going to die down because there are way too many good teams in the West. But they've just outperformed them thus far. So I have to give it to the Sacramento Kings. So there is one thing we agree on, though. The Kings are eventually going to revert to their previous form. Yeah, 100%. Giving them the glory while I can. Okay, I understand. As for our other similar teams, we touched upon the Lakers very briefly. First of all, where did you have Houston in your top 10? Right at dead last at 10. At 10. Okay, so just like the top five, our last choice was different. Yep. We both have the Lakers. You had the Lakers at what position? I had them at seven. All right, so I have the Lakers at eight. Seven and six record. Like you said, they won, at, they won five out of their last six. That one loss coming against Toronto, which was a brutal game for the Lakers. We touched on that in one of the previous episodes. That was just an all-around terrible team effort by yeah. the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, they were playing on the second night of a back-to-back. We'll give them that. They just beat Portland in the Garden. So they were definitely dealing with fatigue and jet lag because they had to fly home and face Toronto the next night. Granted, they have beaten the Minnesota Timberwolves with Jimmy Butler. They beat Portland. They beat Dallas, barely. They beat Atlanta, barely. The Lakers are pulling out the wins. They seem to play to the level of their opponent no matter who they're going to play. You forget that they have – I mean, no one forgets that they have LeBron James. So no matter who they play, they're going to be in the game. Even if it's a bad team – the bad team's going to be in the game. That's just how the Lakers are. That's how they've always Their been. Their games w- are always close. When they have the leads, they're blowing it. Even when it seems like there's no way they can, they always find a way to let teams come back. Their rotation is kind of starting to take form now as it well. Is. We're seeing players who maybe got a couple minutes here and there in the early of the season get a lot of DNP coach decisions yeah. now. Lance Stevenson's role has been severely reduced. Reduced, yep. But that's just because other guys are starting to step up and finally play how they should. Lance is going, I would, I should say regressing to the role that he should have. Yeah. He shouldn't have been that guy. No one expected Lance to come in and be a 
primary ball handler for the second or primary scorer for the second yeah. unit. Yeah, and when anything. Stevenson was playing well, the Lakers weren't necessarily winning their games. He was playing well because he needed to step up and make them play well because they weren't playing well. Now, guys like Alonzo, Ingram, Kuzma especially, who has just been brilliant for the Lakers. Kuzma is the perfect piece to put next to, to LeBron. To put next to LeBron. And Lonzo too, because I see how LeBron runs the lanes on the fast breaks. And he's starting to get thankful for having Lonzo on his team. Against the Hawks, he found him for like three or four outlet passes where LeBron had slams. He threw him a, f- a half-court lob. That was also really nice. LeBron's starting to get that off-ball feeling from Lonzo Ball. And we with all knew Kuzma, that would just take some time. Too. Yeah, and with Kuzma, he's the one who's playing off the ball, off of LeBron. So he's got two guys playing different roles, and he's getting the best of both worlds right now. In a few years, it's going to really be the best of both worlds. The Lakers, though, even though they're choking, they're finally starting to pull out these games. And that's why we have to include them. Five out of six... It's a pretty big feat, especially after starting two and five. You got LeBron on your team. You're winning games. You're on a roll. You're going to be in the top ten. So got to give it to the Los Angeles Lakers. What worries me about the Lakers, however, is Brandon Ingram and how he's been performing alongside LeBron James in the starting unit. Agreed. He has not been performing well, to say the least. Perhaps Ingram's looking at a bench role somewhere where he can like really come through and show the player he is. I think for the Lakers, in order for them to be successful, they need to maximize Brandon Ingram's role on this team. And I just don't think that can happen when he's playing consistent, a lot of minutes next to Le- consistent minutes next to LeBron James. I just don't think Brandon Ingram can show us his full potential next to LeBron. He can show us some of that, and we've seen. He's really showing up on the defensive end this year, but his offense is lacking. We saw him take great steps last year, and he's taken steps back. I'm sorry. I don't know. Brandon Ingram just isn't that good of a fit with LeBron. When I watch the Lakers games, it seems like everyone kind of has the rhythm of the offense going in them. But when it comes to Brandon Ingram scoring and getting his buckets... He kind of has his like own isolation game on the side. Yeah, he's on the wing alone, takes his guy off the dribble and settles for a mid-range jumper yes. or takes it to the hole. Yes, and the only time I see a LeBron Ingram interaction, they run this one play where LeBron will have it top of the wing and on the opposite wing, the center, J- JaVale McGee or Tyson Chandler, he'll screen for Ingram who will come around, loop to the free throw line, LeBron throws him that little entry pass so Ingram can get to the basket. Kuzma comes from the corner and makes that back door cut. That's the only time I see LeBron and Ingram getting or like playing together. And that's only because of the main play that they run, which by the way is really good because you have Kuzma running the baseline and you got a lot that's of been money every time. Play. So that is a good play, a good set, I guess, for the Lakers to run. But besides that, Ingram and LeBron haven't shown that they're the dynamic duo. LeBron said Ingram was going to be that guy in the beginning of the season. It's just not working out. Maybe we it'll take give it time. time. Exactly. Maybe it'll take time. Yes. Yeah. Lakers will be an interesting team to watch. Another two teams we both had, we had the Clippers. I had them at six. You had them lower than that. And then we both had the Grizzlies at the ninth spot. The Grizzlies, they've just been, they've been consistent. And a surprise. We, yeah. And right? we didn't expect it because they've been banged up the past few years. Flirting and with now, the lottery. Yeah. Usually. And they're probably playing well because it's the beginning of the season and they're healthy. Seven and five. They're in the playoffs in the West. Mike Conley's been in games for them this year. I think that's a big reason why yeah. they've been able to pull out some wins early on and, in the season. And when he plays well, they typically win. When it's, he doesn't play well, they typically lose. Does, and last year, kind of the same thing happened. Yeah, and Grizzlies then Grizzlies got off to this really hot start. Mm-hmm. And Mike then he Conley got injured. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? All went downhill. Exactly. So it looks like the Grizzlies might be in the hands of Mike Conley. They still got Gasol. They've got Jaron Jackson Jr., who is a, who is a very exciting new prospect. 
he's going to take some time to develop. But the Grizzlies are a team like the Kings. We can both agree that they will fall off eventually, correct? I think it's safe to say. All right, so there's something that we can finally agree (laughs) on. Last squads, though. Last squad, I should say. The Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers. So I had the Clippers at eighth. Where did you have them I had them at sixth. Okay. Because they've just been flat out balling. Doc Lou Will has been yeah. that guy. Tobias Harris. Tobias, Tobias Harris, Harris has been the best player on the team. And Doc Rivers in the beginning of the season said, people are sleeping on our boys. They traded Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. That was a, a pretty insane blow up. And now they're just relying on old, or on all the role players that they would have had around those guys. Maybe not because they traded for some of them, <laughs> but they play well together. A lot of shooters, perimeter defenders, guys who know the game and it's working. It's working for the Clippers. Guys like Montrezl Harrell are carving out roles for themselves in the NBA. We saw him decimate the Warriors yesterday. This man was getting dunks with ease, offensive rebounds, putbacks. Granted, that is one of the Warriors' weaknesses is interior defense, so that could be a reason he was feasting. But regardless, we're seeing these role players, like you said, not necessarily breaking out, but showing us that they can perform consistently a rookie by the name of Shea Gilgis Alexander has shown that he can be a starting point guard in the NBA for Doc Rivers. Yeah, he's been stepping up in the recent games. The Clippers have been praising him. And let's just look into some of the games that the Clippers have played recently. They beat the Magic, and then they beat the Timberwolves. They lost to Portland because, as I said earlier, Portland's just playing out of their minds right now. But then their last two games have been wins against the Milwaukee Bucks and the Golden State Warriors, a two win that we all loved seeing. Five. Also, yeah. <laughs> true. That, yeah. that was a very, very entertaining game to say the least. Yeah, the Clippers definitely played well. Beating the Warriors is not easy, and with an eight and five record, I just had to have them at the sixth spot. I don't think. There's much for you to argue against me because you have them at the eighth, and they're not a team that should even really be considered in the top ten. Yeah, definitely. This is a team that's six and four in their last ten. Nothing too flashy, but they're showing us they can get it done against quality teams. Yep. They took out my number two and number three teams in the Milwaukee Bucks and Golden State Warriors, your number three and number four teams. Still, the both are top five teams. Mm -hmm. So this is a team that can show up. The question is, can they do it consistently? Consistency has always been a question. Yeah, and looking at the Clippers' last game against the Golden State Warriors, some interesting things went down at the end of that game. So the Clippers were playing some very good basketball, had the Warriors at a tie game. Lou Will had a shot to win it, missed a step back. The rebound dropped to the floor with, I would say, about six or seven seconds to go in the game. The rebound was up for grabs, and Draymond and Kevin Durant both went for it. And from my point of view, looked like Draymond really snatched that ball away. He dribbles up the court. He has KD trailing him. Draymond decides to drive it and kick it and try to make a play, but he loses the ball, gets stripped. The Warriors go to overtime. Kevin Durant fouls out. And the Warriors lost. And so the ensuing beef that occurred is what NBA fans have been galvanizing over in the recent days. Kevin Durant and Draymond Green have actually been going at it because Kevin Durant was very, very, very upset that he did not get the ball on that last possession, being the team's go-to scorer and best player He didn't think Draymond had a right to do what he did. And Draymond didn't think Kevin Durant had a right to speak to him how he did because Kevin Durant had no problem speaking his displeasure with Draymond Green after that play. And this fight escalated to the locker room and it just got bad. Interestingly enough, a reason Kevin Durant might have taken so much offense to this is that there is a history of Draymond Green 
taking the ball in the final possession, final seconds of a game, yeah. and making not-so-smart decisions for it, with it. So that could be a reason why Kevin Durant had the reaction he did. On to the whole situation, though. Something really interesting I found I found that happened is that the Warriors came out and suspended Draymond Green for one game without pay. They're essentially taking sides with on this situation and saying that Kevin Durant was in the right. They're doing all they can to show Kevin Durant they're in support of him. Why is that, you might ask? Because they're going all in to get him back in free agency this year. I think this is very interesting. Draymond could take offense to this very easily. And what does this say for the future? Draymond's a player that the Golden State Warriors see in their long-term future. This is a guy they want to bring back for years to come. One, they hope he can finish his career out in Golden State. How does this fare for his long-term future, do you think, with the Warriors franchise, maybe? The fact that they're picking Kevin Durant over him, pretty much. Yeah, I found that very sketchy. I think they just needed to draw a line with Draymond Green to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Because when it comes to disciplining, they won't learn until you actually enforce discipline. And I think they realized that this kind of talk was an ongoing problem. And I think it just escalated. And that was just the tipping point for both of those players. And they figured just kind of make an example out exactly. of it now. And so, so they made an example out of it and said, hey, this is not going to happen again. Cut it out. Kevin Durant didn't do anything except talk. Draymond Green was allegedly trying to fight, like fight, fight Kevin Durant and other players. I heard Iguodala's name thrown in there as well, Yeah, which is insane in my mind because Iguodala is a veteran and one of the nicest people in the league, according to many players. So what I've heard is, is that Draymond essentially said, we were winning before you got here. We'll be winning after you leave as well. Mm-hmm. He's saying that KD seems like he's just concerned with his money and getting his own. Exactly. And that's a very touchy subject for NBA players. They never, you're never supposed to talk about another man's mm-hmm. money. And essentially Draymond just put that situation out into the open in the locker room. The fact of the matter is that the Warriors have always been a team system. Everything about it, about what a team should be. And that's why I respected them before Kevin Durant went there. Now, Because Draymond kind of has that team mentality ingrained in his mind, Kevin Durant, I can see why he looks like a menace to a few of these guys. Kevin Durant is clearly image-obsessed. He cares about how he looks to the public a lot. So Draymond Green probably had the feeling like, yo, in a year, this dude's not going to care about us. So that hotshot attitude that Kevin Durant has because now he's a two-time champion – Draymond Green is starting to feel the heat from it. He's starting to feel upset. Draymond Green is getting the feeling that Kevin Durant thinks he's the leader of the team. He thinks he came to town and ran things. And I think Draymond Green... Yeah, he is getting jealous. He And I think the fact that Kevin Durant is so good is what puts the Warriors down. And that's also a testament to what the media does because they boost Kevin Durant's image so much and make him the star that he is. The Warriors are obviously going to be viewed as a much lesser team when he leaves. And Draymond Green is not taking a liking to that. He's not going to allow KD to determine the future image of the Warriors, especially when all KD does is think about himself and think about his own future. I understand that team image. That that is huge for the Warriors. Their their motto in the playoffs is strength in numbers. They're together, they're to they can face any competition. Anyways, how the Warriors and the teammates responded to this is totally against that belief. Every single one of them has sided now with Kevin Durant essentially on this issue. Now, anonymous players are coming out and saying, oh, KD's, KD's out. He's not coming back. It'd be funny if that anonymous player was Kevin Durant. (laughs) That is good. That is good. Yes, but so his teammates seem to have his back. So Draymond, being the team guy he is, 
like we were saying, this doesn't fare. I don't think this fares well for Dream. Like Draymond has to be kind yeah. of hurt for, and how he's the vocal for- leader, exactly. so he's the one who's doing it. And my, in my opinion, this is how this situation is going to play out. I think for PR, the Warriors are very concerned with PR. I think they're going to have these two sit down, maybe with the co- with Steve Kerr, the GM. They're going to squash this beef. I think for the public, I think this beef will be squashed. But I do think that this has long-term implications. I believe Kevin Durant might not be on the Warriors next year oh, because no, of I, this 100% situation. he's gone. I, this situation arose because he is going to be gone. Obviously, players know things that the media doesn't know and that we don't know. And it just looks like that's what's been happening in all of these players' minds. I think it's a for sure thing, man. KD, last year in Golden State. Yeah. Better make it a you good one. You here first on court <laughs> I'm probably not first because people have been saying KD yeah, to yeah. L.A., which would be absolutely insane, would cause a huge rivalry between the Lakers and the Warriors. KD loves basketball. He's not going to put this championship in jeopardy for this season. Mm -hmm. So like I said, I think this beef will be squashed to the public, but KD will internalize this. He will remember this come July 1st when he is able to opt out of his player option. Yep. I like we said we both agree on that. I think we will see him opt out of that and go to a team maybe in LA or in New York. Agreed. And with Kevin Durant leaving, that has some contract implications on the Warriors. Now with Stephen Curry making his max already, Draymond Green and Clay Thompson are both expecting to get paid. Now they could manage keeping all four with pay cuts and going over with bird rights, going over the cap. Boogie would be lost for sure. There's Mm -hmm. no way that they could afford him. But with Kevin Durant gone, do you think that there's any way the Warriors keep DeMarcus Cousins? So in a situation where Kevin Durant leaves, we need to remember that Clay Thompson is not on the books for next season yet. Impending free agent. Exactly. And you mentioned pay cuts. This is going to be huge because players can say anything, but what it comes down to is what he signs when it when he's a free agent. Will Clay Thompson take a significant enough pay cut to allow them to bring back DeMarcus Cousins? We've seen the Warriors are not afraid to go over the luxury tax. However, Clay Thompson is a max player, would you agree? Or close to a max deal player? I would say very close to a max. That's a significant yeah. amount of money. No, added. actually, he so is a max player. Taking away KD's salary, the Warriors are at around a $90 million payroll going into next season. That is not counting Clay Thompson. Add Clay Thompson's salary on there. Bringing back Boogie, it's iffy, but it can still be done. So... Boogie has only had, will only have one season played, not, ne- not technically a full season, but he'll have one season under contract with the Warriors, meaning they have his early bird rights. They can only offer him around 120% of his current deal contract. And he's on the MLE, I believe, like $5 million. Which is about five and a half million. Yep. So that contract, that doesn't look too enticing to Boogie. However, like I said, the Warriors can offer him a bigger deal. That just has luxury tax implications. Are the Warriors owners willing to pay upwards of $300, dollars $500 for this team? They have a new stadium opening in San Francisco. I mean, that's a huge revenue source. It's, in- it's going to be interesting to see. Maybe are we seeing the cracks starting to form in this Warriors dynasty? I think so. If Kevin Durant is considered a crack, then there's one crack that's beginning to form already. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant... If he leaves the Warriors, actually, I'm going to be confident here and say when he leaves the Warriors, there is a way that they can retain DeMarcus Cousins because Clay Thompson can sign with the bird rights, like you said. Mm-hmm. If they can finesse DeMarcus Cousins' contract for less than 11 mil, meaning he's he can't play that well this year when he comes back for the Warriors. Maybe the Warriors nerf him. Maybe they play him down play down his value now that Kevin Durant's leaving who knows maybe they have a master plan to keep him that team would still be the best in the league yes DeMarcus Cousins I'm pretty sure he doesn't like Kevin Durant that much I feel like the Warriors might have 
better chemistry and a better morale without Kevin Durant and with DeMarcus Cousins. Now, realistically, I don't see that happening. I think DeMarcus and KD are both going out the door. Clay's going to get his money. They'll have enough money to give Draymond his money the year after that. The Warriors should keep their big three out of loyalty. And these guys won before. They should be able to at least compete for a championship. Granted, now you're going to go after sign vet minimums. It's going to be a lot more difficult because KD's not there. People aren't going to come crawling to the door. See, actually, but people will come knocking yeah, on the door. That's what I was going to say. I think we still have to give the Warriors the benefit of the doubt in that they will be able to attract high pro- high profile yes, free agents. Yes, but not, not all of them like they have been. Definitely I'm not talking by in Kevin terms Durant of, level. I'm like talking Kevin exclusively Durant, in terms of veteran minimum. They don't, they do not have the money to sign anyone else. Anyone else is out of the picture. We're True. talking exclusively mid-level up. exceptions and veteran minimums. So they have a lot of money tied up in Andre Iguodala as well. It's going to be interesting to see. Iggy's going to be he, out the door next year. Does he decide to lace them up after this season? I, maybe they win another championship. Iggy decides it's done. I think another team would easily pay him, but he's still on contract for. I don't one think more he. Season. I think Iggy's a mid-level exception Not, type player. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Not pay him, but give him a small enough contract just for that veteran presence. This is a oh, 100. Yeah. Uh, if if he's, he's not, going for a veteran minimum deal. Teams will be calling him. But that's the that's thing. It's sure. going to be on the Warriors to find a way to somehow unload that salary. I I don't see a way that they, they can would do just it. have to they resign to, him. Just they, resign him for whatever. But that's he's still on contract for next year. Yeah. So saying. at yeah. the end of next at the year, end of though. next season, I'm speaking in terms of before then. Maybe if they can find a way, like trade to trade. Him. I that that and I don't think anyone's going to help the Warriors out that much though. For Iggy's contract. He just doesn't carry that value anymore. They would have to give away a significant piece that they, they just can't. Do. They could they get do. a trade with Igadala. I don't think it's going to happen this year. The Warriors are competing for a championship. They're not going to mess up that unit. This year is this year. But if next year there's a team that has the cap room to take Iggy for one year, I don't see why they wouldn't do it. Some teams have a lot of cap space because they can't sign those big guys and they can't afford – or they can afford them, but they just can't get them. So they got money to spend. So I actually have a follow-up question for you on something you mentioned. Mm-hmm. The fact that you say it's for sure happening that Kevin Durant is leaving. So let's say the Warriors – the Warriors, they have smart smart guys in their front office. Obviously, they would see these cracks starting to form as well. So why don't they they plan ahead? Why don't they plan ahead? Exactly. I'm going to kind of answer my own question there. I just think this front office is too proud to ever, too proud of this team, too proud of what they've built to ever admit defeat and admit that they're wrong. These are owners that came out and said, we're light years ahead of the NBA a couple years ago. They're not going to admit they were a step behind in keeping one of the greatest free agents to hit the, some might say Kevin Durant, holds the most power a free agent has ever held in his hands in some time in NBA history. Yeah, definitely. Where this man Probably chooses to go. Yeah. No, I, I, after LeBron James. It's just that Kevin Durant chooses between the best teams and LeBron goes to wherever he sees fit. Kevin Durant's choosing of team will affect the balance of power in the league in a way that hasn't been seen and since a player like LeBron. Yeah, but if then, LeBron chose know. the Warriors, then what? It would have been the same thing. It's <laughs> exactly. just the matter. It's just the decision making that Kevin Durant has. Exactly. But back to the point, I just don't think the Warriors would ever admit defeat like that and give in to trading Kevin Durant. I mean, I don't think. I don't think they're going to trade Kevin Durant. True. If they keep him, they have a championship. I don't think the Warriors are going to start taking championships for granted already. They're not going to trade Kevin Durant exactly. to invest I'm just in the future. If they are going to have a guaranteed championship this year, They would take home, the championship, bring let him go. Exactly. Yeah, just let him go. Exactly. The Warriors, lots of fans hoping that they will fall apart. Personally, I am. Don't want to hate on the Warriors, but... I want to see teams competing for a championship. I'm a fan I don't of want to parody. See, I don't want to see teams competing for conference finals for second place. You don't hang up banners for conference finals. Exactly. exactly. You want to see a more diverse group of teams fighting for the NBA finals. And when these teams have nothing to finals. play for, 
it's just it's just a completely different like way of playing basketball when you know that no matter what you do in the season you're not winning the trophy that team's winning the trophy everything you do is just to get better but then again that is how the warriors have impacted the league because the warriors are the warriors every team is working to improve in every single little way just so that they can take down that team the warriors when they go down it is going to be a gun show because all these other teams have been spending the past three to four years just getting assets and getting assets experimenting essentially seeing what will work against this new type Mm -hmm. of basketball that we've never experienced before and they're waiting for the warriors to fall so that everyone can pull out their guns and show the league what they're all about and everyone's going to be ready to do it at the same time once the warriors are dropping it's going to be insane I don't think I could have said it any better myself. Honestly, you're right. The Warriors, they're a masterpiece. This is a dynasty. Just be happy we're alive to see this team yeah, when they true. were, when all these guys were in their prime as well. Yep. So Golden- I, I think that that does it for today. That's the end of our Court Visions episode four. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at court underscore visions on both of those. We hope you enjoyed our updated power rankings and our take on the current Golden State Warriors crisis. It's going to be really exciting to see if they can pull it together or if they hopefully fall apart. Thanks for listening, guys. Stay tuned for our next episode. Peace. Peace.